High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiefen, and it's great to be with you here this wonderful, beautiful day. Weather getting much, much better. And time to go outside. Time to see the beautiful world that we live in, our wonderful country, our amazing community. And in fact, the name of this week's Torah reading, the portion is called Re'eh. Re'eh means to see. What do you see and how do you see? You see in our Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses continues addressing the Israelites. That's why it's called Deuteronomy. It's his repetition of much that was discussed before, but now it's a reminder before he passes away, as they told us back in rabbi school about sermons, that there's three parts to the sermon. First, you must tell them what you're going to say. Then you need to say it, and then you need to tell them what you said. So, Moshe Rabbeinu previously gave us the instructions, told us everything we need to know, as the Jewish people prepared us for entering the Promised Land, and now... As the Jewish people stand poised to enter the land of Israel, he one more time gives them a review of all the laws. And there's a lot that he discusses in our Parsha, many, many details, including the laws of tithes and false prophets and the wayward city and tattoos and Jews, kashrut, the sabbatical year, charity, the festivals. There's a lot, but it starts off with the words re'eh. That God places before you blessing and curse in life. We have a choice. It's our choice what we're going to do. And so I want to pick on a particular theme. There's so much within the Torah portion. But since we get to the laws of kashrut, the kosher list of mammals, of fish and birds that are suitable for Jewish consumption in the laws of kosher, which we discussed a couple of weeks back as well, because if you recall, when we were reading the book of Vayikra Leviticus, when we came to the portion of Shemini, there we discussed it in great detail. So today we're just going to pick on one particular theme in the category of birds, where the Torah enumerates 24 species of birds, which are not kosher. And from that we deduce, by tradition, which ones are kosher and fit for Jewish consumption. But one of those birds that the Torah enumerates in our parsha that is prohibited for Jewish consumption, that is not kosher, is called the ra'ah. In fact, our sages tell us that if you read the verse in the parsha this week, it says, v'hara'ah, v'esha'ayah, v'hadayah lemina. The, this particular bird, some say it's the same bird that goes by three names, the Ra'ah, the Daya, and the Aya. Now, the Talmud in Tractate Chulin explains that these are actually three different names, but for the same exact bird. And the Torah specifies all three names. You know, sometimes rabbis like to use a lot of adjectives. It might sound redundant, but would sound a little bit more sophisticated when we use extra words. And maybe... Is that what the Torah is trying to do? Of course not. So the Talmud tells us that if it were to mention only one of the names of this particular bird or species of bird, then if someone knows the bird by one of its names, that the Torah didn't mention the others, then they might maybe entertain the idea that it's okay to consume, to eat, to have that thinking it's kosher. So therefore the Torah specifies all three names of this bird species. Now what type of bird is this ra'ah, aya, daya that the Torah is describing? What kind of bird is this? Well, many have translated it as the vulture or the hawk. But after all the research, it seems most 
accurate that the translation of it would be the kite or I think there's a scientific term for it, the milvus. Either way, you know, in Arabic, the kite is known, in fact, as the chada'a, which is quite similar to this Torah name, the daya. Now, the bird is also mentioned in two other times in the Torah, actually. One in the book of Isaiah, where it says, where it talks about the kites, and the other is in the book of Eov and Job, where there's a similar word, the ayah. And... Here we're talking about how this bird is referred to in our Parsha, how the Torah talks about it, and we wonder why three names for the same bird. Ra'ah, similar to the name of this week's Parsha, Ra'eh, what does that word mean? It means to see. That's the meaning of the word Ra'ah, like Ra'eh, to see. Daya is from the verb to fly, to, to soar or glide. So, hence, its second name for the kite. And the third is the ayah. And that is from the verb to wail, to scream and cry. So you have these three names that have three distinct characteristics, say, of the same bird. And all these names describe what type of bird this is. The kite is scattered all over Israel. And it's feeding chiefly on the smaller birds, on mice, on reptiles, and fish. And... In the capture of fish, the kite is almost an expert as the osprey, the, the shalach in the Torah language, darting from a great height into the water and bearing off the fish in its own claws. Quite a feat for this vulture, for this bird. And the wings of the kite bird are very long and powerful and they bear it through the ear in a peculiarly graceful flight. And this is why it has been called the kite, because it represents this characteristic of its able, its ability to, to glide. It has these movements that are what makes this bird unique. But yet, the Torah also calls it ra'ah, which is coming from the word to see. The sight of this bird is remarkably keen and piercing. And from vast elevations, from high, high up, this bird is able to soar when it's in search for food. It's able to survey the face of the land beneath it and to detect anything that it needs, quail, chicken, fish, whatever it is, any creatures that can serve as food for this bird, this bird is able to see it and reach it. And if the kite should suspect danger when it's forced to leave its nest, well, it escapes by darting rapidly into the air and soaring at a vast height above the trees, which is where it makes itself at home. And from that elevation, it could act as a sentinel due to its incredible eyesight. And it won't come down again until it is sure of its own safety. Hence, the name Ra'ah with an aleph, which means to see, because of this amazing visual ability that this bird has. Now, what is remarkable is that 17 centuries before all the scientific research, the Talmud is describing to us in a very few words about this bird. And the Gemara says that the Ra'ah, as it's the same bird, same name as the Ayah, 
And the Talmud tells us why is it called Ra'ah? Very interesting. Because Amedes Bebavel, this bird has an amazing visual ability. It could stand in Bavel, Babylon, and and it is able to see a carcass all the way in Israel. Think about that. The Talmud is proving to us, it's telling us what an amazing, exceedingly superior vision this bird has. And the Talmud, in fact, proves this from a verse in Eov. It says there's a path which no bird of prey knows and which the kite's eye has not seen. The very fact that this verse is telling us about this bird's visual abilities is telling us that it is extremely unique. It's something that is remarkable, that it possesses this piercing vision, that you have this bird that's standing in Babylon, in Iraq, and yet it has an, an incredible ability to scour, to see food, to see a carcass all the way out in Israel. That's quite impressive, being that distance, you know, you think about how far is it from Iraq to Israel, it's quite a distance. I can't tell you offhand myself, but it is quite a distance. And something interesting, the Maharal of Prague, in his book, Be'er Agola, he explains this v- remarkable vision in, in two possible ways. He says, literally, it means that this bird has an extraordinary visual ability. But another possible explanation is that this bird, the kite, in its most perfect state, has the ability to see so far, even if physically, practically speaking, it's not always able to actually see that distance. And this is based on the prevalent Jewish idea, this this philosophy that the Maharal teaches, that everything in this world has two dimensions. There's the tzura and the chomer. The tzura is the abstract form of a particular object. It's the concept of this object in its most perfect and ideal form. But that doesn't always play, play out in practice. And that's why you have not only the tzura, but also the chomer, which that's the way that it is practically manifesting itself in this world. And this duality is a major theme, not only by some Jewish great philosophers, but even Plato and other great Greek philosophers related this idea of the tzura and the chomer, the potential and the practical. Either way, this is something that's very unique about the kite. Now, of course, the obvious question is, why does the Talmud illustrate, tell us about this bird in such a way that it stands there in Babylon and sees a carcass all the way in Israel? I mean, it could have used... So many other examples of what a bird is capable of seeing and where it's capable of seeing it from. Why does the Talmud use this unique example of standing at such a great distance and seeing a carcass in the land of Israel? And a a more substantial question. I mean, the reason some animals are not kosher is because of the negative characteristics that these animals possess. That when we, you know, they say you are what you eat, it can have a negative impact on the consumer. Right? It's not just a cliche that you are what you eat. It's why we're instructed by the Torah to abstain from eating certain animals whose traits would not, we wouldn't want to incorporate those ideas in our own psyche. Kosher animals, on the other hand, are characterized by peaceful traits that are worth 
emulating and imitating and, and inculcating in our own lives. So why then is this bird that has such a fantastic vision, why is it not kosher? Surely something like a keen eyesight and perception are definitely worthy traits, something that we should want to implement in our own lives, that we should have a, 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 a fabulous, fantastic vision, right? Shouldn't this bird be kosher if it has such vision? And, you know, the bird, in fact, is a carnivorous bird. It, it makes it, um, of course, as a carnivore, that itself makes it non-kosher because that's the laws of the Torah. But the fact that the list of non-kosher birds, the Torah tells us the ra'ah, specifically indicating this particular quality that it has this amazing vision, that it has such keen eyesight, is seeming to indicate that's a part of what makes it non-kosher. You know, just the fact that it's a carnivore should enough should be enough reason to say that it isn't. So we wonder then why is the Torah telling us about its vision, yet telling us that it isn't kosher? And of course, this is not the first time it's mentioned in the Torah. We have gone through the kosher list a couple of weeks back in Parshat Shemini. So then, back then in Vayikra, in, when we read about it the first time, this same bird is not given the name Ra'a then. It is only referred to as the Daya and the Aya. So why then did the Torah not tell us only here in Devarim, Deuteronomy, where Moshe is repeating everything, does he mention this third name of this particular bird. Why? And while we'd like to discuss this, we'll see that the, the Talmud, it has a very profound psychological observation and why everything in Torah is part of the blueprint for living our lives in the most meaningful, perfect way. The Talmud is not just illustrating the the keen vision of this bird of the kite, the Ra'ah. It is also explaining to us why it's not kosher. The Talmud tells us very specifically, it's standing in Babylon and it sees a carcass in the land of Israel. When you gaze at the land of Israel, you could see many, many things, many positive things, many heartwarming items. There's lots to observe. Yet what does this bird see? What does the Talmud tell us this ver bird is capable of spotting the carcass in Israel? Being a carnivore, what is its characteristic? It kills. It devours. It eats the meat of other animals. Its eyes gaze at Israel. But instead of seeing other opportunities, instead of seeing everything else that the land of Israel has to offer, what does it see? Just the carcasses of the land. In other words, this bird possesses, it's not just a keen vision, but it's a very negative one as well in that sense, that what is it seeing? It's seeing the negative, the carcasses. So there's two negative character traits, two negative qualities to this bird. Number one, that it's carnivorous. And number two, what does it see? Only the negative, only the carcasses. And this is what the Talmud's telling us is the non-kosher characteristic of this animal. Because this quality, although vision is important, but what do you use your vision for? 
And unfortunately, this isn't limited just to birds, my friends, because everything in Torah, Torah Schayim, the Torah is here to teach us lessons for life. And we do not eat, we don't want to incorporate this type of behavior into our psyche, one that all we could see is the negative. Some people, unfortunately, just like the Ra'ah, just like this kite bird, all they see in life is the negative. You have ever heard of the missing tile syndrome where somebody walks into a room instead of seeing all the perfectly laid tiles, all they see is what's missing. These are chronic complainers, kvetchers. All they can do is find the problems. They will look at their own beautiful family, their spouse, their children, relatives, community members, friends, associates, and all they could see the flaws, the problems, the deficiencies, the mishaps, the negative attributes. Why? Some people just never stop criticizing. All they can see is the problems. Everything and everyone, nobody's, nobody's perfect. We're all human beings. Part of the human condition is that we're imperfect. But all you can see is the imperfections. And that's what the Talmud's telling us. While some people, thank God, and maybe that should be the majority of people, that we see the good in everyone. Even in the worst situation, or even in, in people who are, you know, you could see that they have flaws. But is that all we could see? Let's stop just being like the kite to see the negative in everyone. Why can't we also see the positive? See the good. Not just to see how everyone has an agenda or everyone's driven by ulterior motives. Nothing's pure in our world. Everything has an inner smelly carcass, and it's true. Dig deep into anyone's psyche and you'll find the skeletons in the closet, no doubt. But is that such a brilliant genius to just find the problems? To find those hidden skeletons? Are they right? Well, I'm not saying anyone's an angel or perfect. Of course, everyone has problems. Every single person has flaws. Even the greatest saint has demons. Even a great person usually has some skeleton, some corpse in the closet. And this is why we need a Torah to guide us. And that's why the Torah asks us to never stop working on ourselves, to challenge our conventions, to scrutinize our motives, to refine our behavior, to make amends of our mistakes. That is what we do. The month of Elul is coming. It's a week away. And yes, in the month of Elul, we do Teshuva. We work on refining ourselves because we acknowledge, we recognize that we have flaws. The fact that this is the only thing that this bird sees as the carcass. That's what the Talmud is highlighting. And the fact that certain people are the same. That's what makes it unkosher. That's what makes it wrong. And that's what we emphasize is the problem with this bird. Yes, there are problems in Israel. Are there corpses? Absolutely. Are there terrible things going on? We see what's happening here with reform and all the challenges with the current government and administration and every government and administration has its problems. And do people have flaws? No doubt. Every man and woman has problems, has shortcomings. That's the way it is. Does our com- Is our community perfect? Do we not have deficiencies? You bet. We all do. But... Don't just find the problems. And this is the message that I think is the one we need to discuss today. The question, is this all we can see? Let's talk about refining 
our way of seeing, which is the name of the Parsha Re'eh, and to learn from the Ra'ah what not to see and how to have that vision to see the cup full rather than half empty. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi FM, I'm your host Rabbi Ari Kievman, and we've been talking about the kosher birds that are listed in this week's parsha. One of the most, one of those non-kosher birds that the Torah lists is called the ra'adla, otherwise known in English as the kite, which as the Talmud describes, it has this name because of its remarkable vision. It has this incredible eyesight. And the Talmud testifies, it tells us that this bird stands in Babylon and it could see a carcass all the way in the land of Israel. Now that's quite impressive as we've been talking, being that there's quite a distance from Iraq to Israel, and yet it's able to identify, to find food from such a distance away. But we ask the question, why does the Talmud use such a strange illustration? Why is this bird not kosher? The fact that it has a fabulous vision, you would think a keen eyesight is uh, having good perception should be a reason, a worthy trait to emulate. Why is the name of this bird not even mentioned last time when we talked about the birds in the Parsha Shmini in the book of Ayikra? And yet here it's listed as a non-kosher bird. And we've been discussing how the Talmud tells us about this unique eyesight that it has, that all it can see from Iraq from such a distance away is the carcass in Israel. And as we've been saying, living with the times, living with the Torah portion, we know the Torah is not just talking about birds, but the Torah is also talking about individuals. Each one of us have our free choice as the Torah portion this week lays out. And the question is, what do we choose to see? Do we choose to see the blessings of life? Do we count our blessings and appreciate all the good things we have? Or do we only find the flaws, the problems with our friends, with our family, with our community, with our associates, with anyone we interact with? And that's the question. What do you see? This bird is is characterized as unkosher, not only because it's a carnivore, but also because what does it see? Only the carcasses in Israel. We're not saying that Israel doesn't have problems. We need to be realistic. We all have problems. But what do you choose to see? Many shuls, I'm a rabbi in I've already 20 years. I got my smicha here 20 years ago in Pretoria. And... I've been on this game for a long time. And we notice how, you know, many shuls have, of course, not sent in central shul where I'm privileged to be the rabbi, but many other places where there's always a character who will never stop finding the faults, always finding the problems. Nothing the shul does is ever good enough. Every week it's something else. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too noisy, it's too quiet, it's too long, it's too boring, it's too short, it's too lebedic, it's too this, it's too that. <laughs> These people are always getting upset. This person didn't tell them hello. This person took a seat. The other person took his talus. Always a problem. The Gaba gave him the wrong aliyah. The rabbi didn't kiss him on both cheeks. When everything is perfect, they have to say the chalant was overcooked. The schnapps is bitter. The cake was too soft and the ice cream was too cold. What? Why are we always finding problems? I once had a congregant who would come every Shabbos and say, Rabbi, the sermon was great, it was brilliant, it was profound, it was informative, but too long. For heaven's sake, he would tell me, keep it short. So one week I finally decided to please him. I gave a seven-minute sermon. Seven minutes, not a second longer. And guess what? Came over to me 
And he says, Rabbi, the sermon was brilliant, it was insightful, it was profound, but why so short? You're getting paid to keep it so short. What's wrong with you, Rabbi? Some people always finding the problems. I said to him, my friend, your issue is not my sermons. Your issue is that you just can't find happiness. Always finding the bad in everything. Whatever I do doesn't please you. Maybe you should find yourself another rabbi who can give perfect sermons, not too long, not too short. And you know what this man he said to me? If I find the perfect shul and the perfect rabbi, I might not be able to criticize any longer. So I'll keep coming and criticizing. Well, at least he came for his time. But the the point I'm making is that nobody's perfect. Even I'm not perfect. How do you like that? But with our imperfections, let's recognize everybody has some good qualities too. And there's a, a brilliant verse that describes this very idea as well. In the Torah, we talk about when the Jews came to Marah. The Torah says they were unable to drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. Now, the simple meaning of this verse is that they, the people of Israel, were unable to drink the waters of Marah because they, the waters of Marah, were so bitter. But the Baal Shem Tov, he always offered another unique way of seeing things, and he, he gave a different way of seeing, of reading this verse. He says the people of Israel were unable to drink the water, not because the water was bitter, but because they themselves, the people, were bitter. You hear? This is the point about it, how we see it from another perspective, another angle. When we're bitter, everything else around us is bitter. That's the point. And we have to realize when a person's heart is bitter, they just can't find that happiness. We have to realize we have to get out of that state of bitterness. Don't be in the missing tile syndrome where we find the problems of everything, the faults. We all know that we're, we're in that depressed, melancholy, morose, lugubrious, downtrodden kind of state. We're so sad. Even the most beautiful things become meaningless. Even the greatest gifts are dreadful because we're just in that numb, dead state where we don't feel that joy of the joie de vie, the joy of life. So, of course, the critic's still not wrong. Every shul, every business, every person, every home has their flaws and we can't be naive. We have to fix them because we can't remain in a constant, consistent, chronic state of problems. But real and mature people appreciate that constructive criticism and they'll appreciate that they need to improve. Right? And King Solomon himself tells us, the wisest of all men, that it's criticism far more than the compliments which will make us grow. But when all you can see is only the negative, when you have nothing good, nothing positive, nothing optimistic to see, then we need some pro- proper repairing. That's not a kosher character trait to have. And this is especially true when it comes to any relationships. You want to criticize your spouse. You want to tell off your children. You want to criticize. Go ahead. It's okay. It's the only way they'll become better. But if all you do, and that's the only thing you know how to do, is condemn, criticize, and complain, then there's a problem. Because nobody could hear and listen to that. We have to first see and emphasize the good.
The portion this week starts off with Bracha. First, you have to see the blessings. Dale Carnegie's rule is always begin with something positive. And don't say but. Then you could add in the and. Point out the good. Show them that you appreciate them. And then let the criticism be shared in the context of how much good there is and how much better they can become. And then they'll listen, they'll absorb, and they'll grow. We'll be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Chai FM, we've been talking today about the kosher birds listed in our Torah portion, or actually more accurately, the non-kosher birds, and specifically the bird, the ra'ah, the ayah, the daya. We were focusing on the specific name of the kite bird that is referred to in the Torah by these three names, but the name ra'ah, which means to see, and how the Talmud tells us that we learned that this bird stands in Babylon and it sees a carcass in Israel. And it's not just a possible scenario that the Talmud is telling us about its meaning, about its fantastic vision. But the Talmud is tells, them, tells us the reason that it sees the carcasses in the Holy Land is because it stands in Babylon. We have to understand what that means. We all have a personal Babylon. Yes, we all know we have our challenges, our problems. We all have that corpse element. There's always a part of us. Sometimes we're not in a best mood. We all have our skeletons, our demons, our ghosts. Every human being has these things. That's what makes us human. We're not angels. We're not divine. We are divine. We have our divine element to us. Even the Holy Land, the holiest place on earth, has its problems, as we mentioned, both physical and psychological. Every human being does, and every place does. But what we're saying is, is that the only thing you could see? That's not kosher. To only see the problems in another, to only see the problems in this world. And so, the Baal Shem Tov tells us, what is Babylon, what is Bavel, Iraq represents? What is the meaning of the word Bavel? The Hebrew meaning of the word bavel means confusion, emptiness, vanity. It symbolizes a vain human being. Remember when in Parshat Noach we read about the Tower of Bavel, where all that confusion existed. Conversely, the Holy Land, Eretz Yisrael, represents a holy and pure place and a holy and pure person. When you yourself are submerged in the vanity and the quagmire and the confusion of this world, then we're empty and hollow then we look at a good person, but all we see is the bad. As the Baal once remarked, that life is like a mirror. If you are dirty, then guess what you'll see staring right back you in the mirror. But if you're pure, then you'll see the purity wherever you go and whoever you look at. You ever notice that when you point a finger at somebody, guess what? At that, that moment, you're pointing three fingers back at yourself. You could tell more about a person by what he says about others than you can by what others say about them. And this, my friends, is the problem with the Ra'ah bird. The Ra'ah bird is one that all it sees in Israel is the carcasses. And we know that no country's perfect. Israel's not perfect. That has so many challenges and problems. It's government and society. We know about the problems that Israel possesses. And we know about ourselves as well. But if all you could see when you look at Israel or at any human being is the corpses, is all you could see is the problems they have, then that itself is an immense and huge problem. So my friends, let us learn this important message and lesson both about the land of Israel and the people of Israel and about each one of us. Let us be more like 
what the Torah describes as the land of Israel. Let's be holy and pure ourselves. And then what we'll see in others as well will only be that purity, that holiness, that goodness. So my friends, this is the name of the Parsha to see. And how to see? Well, the Torah tells us within the portion. See the blessings and you won't have the curse. To live a meaningful life means that to see each day of our lives, to see the potential blessings that is within it. Of course, we also see the curses. That's the reality. We know that within our own inner compass, the ability, the potential that we each have to go in any direction. But remember, don't be like this bird that the Torah portion mentions this week, that all it can see is the curses and everything and everyone. At the end of the day, it's all a matter of perspective. Each of us has to choose what we're going to see in ourselves and in the world around us. Please, God, we all see the blessings because there is so much blessing in our lives. My friends, let's remember Carpe Diem sees every moment to see only the best and aspire to inspire before you retire so that you won't expire. Have a meaningful and great Shabbos. Great to be with you right here on Soul to Soul, Chai FM.